0: Hi, Lavers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Uh, a little retreat update. We had the Winter of Listening retreat yesterday. Well, let's see, Saturday. Um, and it was lovely, uh, thanks to all those who showed up, not just in one way, but in many ways. Uh, sold-out event. We will do it again because it Went over well. It was very helpful, useful, apparently. So, uh, if you missed this one or were on the waiting list and didn't get to join, um, look out for something in the future. We're going to be doing it again, I hope. Uh, So, anyway, thanks. Thank you, truly, to those who showed up, uh, to those who made it out to the Winter of Listening Retreat this weekend. Okay, uh, so today is episode 56. And this episode is called, May No Side Silence the Other. So early on in my life, uh, and I don't just mean chronologically, but maturity wise, (coughs) um, (coughs) I think it's true for everybody. It's very easy to think that you are the one with the right ideas, the right stances, the right insights. You know, you sort of have the um, the corner on all the best stances and the right ideas, but something that I've actually been noticing as I grow into less dualism in my thinking, less either or thinking, I actually see people much more as integral parts of something important. So, um, some of the, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) excuse me, some, some of the categories I think that we do this with, um, some sort of natural or classic categories that we do this with is, you know, the mind versus the heart or the gut. You know, my thoughts are more valuable than your feelings, that kind of thing. Uh, or vice versa your feelings my feelings are more important than your your thoughts and ideas. Another one might be linear thinking versus uh circular thinking. I think we all know where I stand on that one, <laughs> just naturally not opinionated wise but um there's also these other things like you know concrete versus love of mystery. Uh, These are some common things where, you know, we get into this space where we think, okay, I am so comfortable with mystery and anybody who's not, they are not as, they're less than, you know, like they're, they're just not enlightened or uh, they just haven't, you know, reached this level of consciousness. That's more, that's clearly better. So, I think it's so easy to fall into this kind of thinking. It's very binary. It's very dualistic, and um, we're very good at separating people and things into categories. But lately, my conviction has risen that this is not a good idea. That both are needed in whatever case that's presented, and. They could be very far apart on a spectrum, even, and both are needed in the world, in the universe, to sort of, you know, not just about balance, but sort of this uh, integration, this wholeness. So, one thing, one reason that I find this to be true that this is both are needed um, differences are far more, make things far more dynamic, uh, like a dance than similarities. So differences are more like a dynamic dance than similarities. There's more tension, but that means there's more attention and interplay and something is happening. There's like a there's a heat building. There's a a friction of some kind. Um there's traction when there is not agreement. Agreement is not it might feel good, but it's actually very, um, it's kind of boring actually. Uh, I would be open to your opinions on that. If I, if you disagree with me, please email me about that. But I do, I feel like agreement can lead us to a place of boredom and sort of, you know, this lack of stimulation, mental and emotional and spiritual stimulation. So, you know, While that's true, it's really easy to play off differences with labels like better or worse or more or less. You know, this person is more whatever than I am or this person is less this than I am. But I find that to be ickier as time goes by. I find it to be, it sort of deteriorates me. Sort of deteriorates uh, my sense of the world and how people operate when we label and we use this dualistic thinking. And really, it's you know, if especially if this is sort of like a, uh, a sort of conditioned response of you know when someone makes me feel bad, um, they're they're a bad person. It's like immediately we're doing the thing to them that they're doing to us. So it's like this person thinks I'm bad. Oh, they're bad. You know, we just are so quick to, you know, it's basically the same coin, just the different, the other side. Um, we can create new them categories very easily and quickly and deceive ourselves into believing that we're not doing that actually. Um, however, uh, I think a better and far more challenging perspective can be something like this person might have something that I need and not just like use the person like a, you know, an object, but this, this person might actually be able to provide a kind of sight for me that I, my eyes can't have by themselves um, this person's eyes, the way they see things, will give me a fuller picture of my life. Will awaken in me an awareness of something, and uh, even if it's scary, that's that's not a bad thing. Also, I think you know this is a it's a challenging perspective, but I think it's better to think that together we are capable of far more than we are separated. You know, this is, um, if you're a Bible lover, this is pretty straight up in Romans 12, you know, it's like really clear. Um, we don't do as well apart as we do together when we're working as a body together. Like the arm can't do its arm thing, you know, without the shoulder or, you know, it's the arm can't be a shoulder either. So we need each other. We cannot Replace each other, we make up this important thing. So, that being said, I want you to imagine a choir singing or like a vocal ensemble or something. If you are a voice part, if you're a certain voice part and you quit singing and you just decide to stay silent, the music becomes different, it becomes sort of incomplete. At best, I think it sounds unpleasant and hollow. I don't know what at worst is, but, you know, it's just this, something is missing, clearly. There's just an unpleasantness and hollowness to it. It's just this flat sound without this whole entire singing part. So especially imagine if the sopranos told the altos, there is no room for you here, so shut up. Like, be silent. Don't sing anymore. This would go kind of from something, huh? This this sound, this you know, song sounds hollow, or something's missing, or something. It would go from that to just plain silencing, which is so much more grim and uh, divisive and diminishing of this other person or group. So, silencing is a thing. I really don't like, um, I have a certain particular vendetta (laughs) against it. Don't analyze me. You don't need to know why I feel that way. It just is. All that to say, there are so many different ways that silencing can happen. So I want to go through a couple of these things and see just kind of what you think about this and just be mindful of where this shows up in your life. Maybe the first one is shaming. So, you know, this, remember, shame is you are bad. So it's this, you know, we tell someone, like, you don't belong, or you don't fit here, or you're no good, something like that. You're not good enough. It's like that word enough kind of shows up a lot, or should, or should not, shows up a lot with shame. I always say, like, uh, I always say, should is shame's henchman. Uh, like doing all of its dirty work if should shows up that I means shame is there um, another form of silencing is non-acceptance or I think another way of doing this is conditional love like I will love you I will accept you if um, you know as long as you behave in this certain way you can belong with me. Like you can, you can fit and I'll, I will not reject you. I will accept you on these terms. Um, in this case, one person has to remain fairly hidden. And that's a form of silencing. Another form of silencing is fear or intimidation. So sometimes when we feel afraid, we intimidate other people, or if we feel intimidated, we intimidate other people. So it's like, I need you to be small, please, because when you're showing up in all of your glory, I don't have a category for that and it kind of makes me feel small, so I need you to be small. Like, I don't, I don't actually want to see you, I just want to see, you know, this sort of non-intimidating version of you, please. That's a silencing. Another form of silencing is manipulation, So this comes from power abuses or twisting the truth or creating doubt in someone's mind. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've always kind of felt like integrity is you don't manipulate yourself and you don't manipulate other people. You are the same in every situation and, um, you don't you expect people to show up as themselves. So manipulation is sort of the, the opposite of that. Um, you know sort of this thing of like there this is where it shows up with abuse situations. you know it's like if you tell anyone about this, I could lose my job. You wouldn't want that, would you? right? Uh, this sort of manipulation or it's this, you know, are you sure that's what you what that person said? You know that's like classic garden of eden moment the serpent is like are you sure god said this that doesn't really sound right he just you know he just doesn't want you to be like him Um, that requires manipulation and it leads to self-doubt and that is a form of silencing so it's kind of like you plant a seed in someone's mind with manipulation or twisting of the truth and then their mind does the rest of the work You don't even have to try that hard. You just plant a seed and their mind takes it the whole rest of the way with the self-doubt that comes. So there's these different ways, right, of silencing. And here's the thing. We are made to make beautiful music together, my friends. So chances are, uh, at least to some degree... There is someone uh, who is manipulating and silencing you. And to some degree, there, I would guess, it's very likely that you are silencing someone else. So, what do we do about this? I I bet some of you might be thinking, like, oh, no, 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 I don't do that. I let people be themselves. I let people show up as themselves. I beg to differ. I think everyone does this to some degree. So, here's just a few thoughts of what can possibly be done. Um, and then I'll have an invitation for you a little bit in, sec- in a minute here. So, here's just a few thoughts of what we can do, what we can try differently. Um, ask more questions. Also notice, you know, do I ask yourself, like, do I ask closed-ended questions or do I ask open-ended questions? Do I say, are you, uh, are you happy or sad? You know, this is like a very closed-ended question. It's just like instead asking something like, oh, how did that feel to you? That kind of thing. And try to actually be curious. So ask more questions that are open-ended and try to actually be curious because we all know when we're being asked a leading question, let's be honest. Number 2, notice what you're silent what you silence in yourself for whatever reason because it's probably the same thing you're silencing in other people. This is uh something that we teach counselors in training. That if there's something that's sort of a rule for yourself that you have for yourself, you're probably going to make it a rule for your counselees. You're going to expect them to live by this internal rule that you have. So if it's like, you know, um, you can cry if (laughs) uh, you're alone in your bed and no one sees you. But that's just not, that's not the truth. That's just, that's just a rule. So that's the second thing. The third thing is uh, that we can try is when someone is puffing themselves up and, and they, you know, to look scarier, to look bigger, um, it might mean that they are actually scared. We tend to puff ourselves up when we feel small. Um, So... You know, a lot of this is unconscious, obviously. But what if you could imagine that person as their childhood self? Not in like a patronizing or a diminishing way. Not like a, oh, you're a child. But this sort of recognizing, oh, there's a wounded little boy in there. This, this is probably who's puffing up. Like this this man who's huge... Uh, some, some little boy in him is probably doing this, like responsible for this sort of puffing up. And respond to that child instead. The man could be scary, but the child is less, so. Number four. Unless someone is abusing you, keep inviting them to show up and be themselves. Say things like, I really appreciate how you know so much about this. Tell me more. Or, um, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on fill in the blank. And, you know, sometimes I'm I'm not gonna say like you lie, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm actually not that interested in hearing your opinion. But it's sort of like you gotta get to this place where you sort of say, this person has something to contribute and I'm going to just be open for a moment and I'm going to embody openness with this person, even though what I want to do is punch them in the face and silence them, you know, cause they're silencing me and it feels crappy. But, um, what's really interesting is that when you ask someone a question, they soften. Um, when you say, Hey, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. They soften. It's because we all want to be asked that question, right? Number one, two, three, four, five. Look all the time for good in other people and just take notice of that. I always like to say everybody's a 10 somewhere. There's some place where everybody has this gift that few others possess or that, you know, not that many people who you're immediately in in close proximity with have this gift. Even if you only tell yourself like, oh, this is where this person is a 10, that's totally fine. Um, It'll at least change your view of that person. And you might be a little kinder. You might be a little less prone to silencing the other person. And then number six is my absolute favorite. this is the one I practice the most often if possible, as often as possible. Recognize that every like practice, tell yourself actively on purpose, on a regular basis. every single person is a sacred being, loved by someone, you know um, and at the very at the very least but also most God. Like this person is uh, made by the divine, like created as sacred, as a sacred life. So even if you don't like the person, maybe especially if you don't like the person, it can be a very transformative practice, in my experience, to sort of recognize that every single person is sacred. And that's that, like, period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then there's one more thing I want to say. Keep talking yourself. You don't silence yourself. Um, Give yourself permission to use your vocal cords and do so for the good of the whole. When you use your voice, don't just use it for yourself. Don't use it to... Um, you know, maybe, you know, if you're just like stating your truth to someone, that's fine. Um, but if it's going to harm somebody else and it's not like good for the whole, it's not going to benefit the whole, maybe there's just, maybe there isn't necessarily a reason to speak. Um, but I think it's really important that we use our voices and we do not silence ourselves. We do not be, let ourselves be silenced and we do so we speak for the good of the whole. Uh I recently listened to Martin Luther King's Christmas Eve service from 1967. So this was a little less than 4 months before he was killed. Uh he was killed the following April. And this is his Christmas Eve sermon. If you have never heard it, it is it's profoundly amazing. It's just one of those things you don't want to miss in the on the planet Earth. But here's a little. Here's one quote from the Christmas Martin Luther King's Christmas Eve service, 1967. He says, "One day we must come to see that peace is not merely a distant goal we seek, but that it is a means by which we arrive at the goal. We must pursue peaceful ends through peaceful means." All of this is saying that in the final analysis, means and ends must cohere because the end is preexistent in the means. And ultimately, destructive means cannot bring about constructive ends. I love that so much. That teaches me so much that kindness and firmness are not mutually exclusive that there's this inherent pre-existence in the means of the end like it's this the end exists in the means so if you are just thinking you know I'm going to silence this person because he's been such a jerk to me and he doesn't deserve to say anything to me really what we're doing is we're just we're using destructive means trying to bring about a constructive end when really what we're doing is we're just wrapping it all up into the destructive piece and that it's not okay and it's not going to work something to think about kindness and firmness are not mutually exclusive this is the seed I've planted for this year for 2018 is to be kind and firm And I intend to do so. My invitation to you, my friends, is this. I really would actually like you to consider, let's consider together, who might you be silencing? And it might be really subtle. It might even feel loving, like you're loving the person. But is that person allowed to sing around you? And if not, why? What is it that's making you not able to listen to their song, I guess? Um, And can you sort of work those things out somehow and enable that person to sing, even if you might not be the right one to hear it, hear the song? But surely not silencing. So consider who you might be silencing and how it might be subtle and all that. And uh, try something different just to see what happens it's an experiment my blessing to you is this you belong in the song we all belong in the song so let's all show up and sing together shall we hope you have a great day thank you for showing up to this and uh, i'll see you again next week take great care
1: Para olvidarme de ti voy a cultivar la tierra En ella para encontrar remedio para mi pena Aquí plantará el rosal de la cepina gruesa Tendré la corón para cuando en mí te muera Para mi esa violeta azul Clavelina roja para mi pasión Y para saber si me corresponde De un blanco más ágil Si me quiere mucho, poquito, nada Tranquila, queda mi corazón Creciendo ahora poco a poco Los alegres pensamientos Cuando ya tan florecido irán lejos tu recuerdo De la flor de la mampola seré su mejor amiga La pondré buja en la almohada para dormirme tranquila Para mi tita esa violeta su clavelina roja para mi pasión Y para se si me corresponde de sojo blanco a más anillo. Si me quiere mucho poquito nada tranquilo queda. Mi corazón cogollo de toronjil cuando amamente me la pena. La flor de mi jardín andes en mis enfermeras. Y ya que ya me siento Ande te cuidar a e la de Ven a te con ella Para mi quitar esa violeta azul La de niña roja para mi pasión Y para saber si me corresponde De sojo con blanco más adiós Si mi chiede muccia pochito nada, tranquilo che okay, da mi corazon.